And welcome to another edition of the Twins Wrap here on the Mighty 790 KFGO. Derek Hansen with you along with the television voice of the Minnesota Twins, Dick Bramer. And boy, what a way to kick off the season, huh? Friday night, you couldn't ask for anything better. Yeah, and then uh, the whole series uh, in Chicago, 27 runs. It looks like they are uh, going to pick up right where they left off last year. And I thought, you know, hey, every series is going to be important this year, right? Because there aren't that many of them. But I really thought that was an important series uh, for both the Twins and the White Sox uh, just to get off to a good start. I think we all know the White Sox have, you know, designs on, you know, unseating the Twins as division champs and figure to be contenders for many years to come. And they were, uh, they were ready. They were, I'm sure, delighted to have the Twins on the schedule right out of the chute. And the Twins took care of business and won the series. You know, it's it's interesting that you uh, you look at it too with the 2019. All the talk about the home runs or whatever, and it just seems like you can talk baseballs or you know juice baseballs or whatever. This team can just hit the ball a long ways. I mean, that's all. The, and we didn't even really have much from you know Donaldson or some of the others either. Yeah, and that's the way I think uh, it'll play out this year. At least that that would be the ideal scenario for the Twins. Uh, it was Nelson Cruz. Um, you know, in uh, at Shea Cave uh, in Chicago. And now, you know, for this homestand, it might be Donaldson, you know, it might be Rosario. I mean, when you're as deep as the twins are, and as we found out, you know, over the weekend, we're talking, you know, Jake Cave, fourth outfielder deep. Um, you know, that's the way it should play out. That would be the ideal for Rocco Baldelli uh, and for twins fans too, to just have, you know, somebody step up and have a big game when you need it, and uh, Nelson Cruz surely did that on Sunday. Yeah, it's amazing. He looks like he could play till he's forty-five years old. It's just amazing. I, mean, I guess you can break down pretty quickly. I think I'm proof of that after I turn thirty-five. But it's, it, <laughs> but I'm telling you, this guy—he's just—it's just amazing what he's able to do. Yeah, and uh, of course, you know, he was on the bases a lot too. You know, I mean. Guy's 40 years old, and he's you know cutting third base uh, after a double and scoring, and and uh, he he's just a, a wonderful player, a wonderful person, and uh, I think the hope is that not only will he be playing uh, beyond 2020, but he'll be playing in a Twins uniform beyond 2020. Yeah, no doubt, and that is going to be something. I think. I mean, let's you know, we just got into the season. I don't want to get into you know looking too far ahead here. We got to focus on these you know 57 games that are left. But that is one thing I think they'll talk about considerably, don't you? I think that's he's a guy that they want around for a while, and he seems to be pretty happy in Minnesota. Yeah, I think he is, and and I think they'll probably uh, you know uh, retain him beyond this year. But just uh, think, Derek, now, you know, what's going to happen because uh, in all likelihood, the DH, uh, which both leagues are using this year, uh, will also be used down the road. And so now instead of 15 teams that would be in the market for a 40, 41-year-old designated hitter, there will be 30 teams. And so the market for the Nelson Cruises of the world very likely is going to get, uh, you know, really, really hot. Uh, and uh, as you said, Cruz, I think, enjoys it in Minnesota. But, uh, you know, retaining DHs is going to be a lot difficult, a lot more difficult, uh, if, in fact, the National League adopts the DH after this year. Yeah, that's a very good point. I never, never even thought of that because his price tag will jump up in a quick hurry if he keeps on doing what he's uh, doing so far. Um, as far as uh, just kind of looking at some other things that really stuck out for me this past weekend, Miguel Sano looking like – all the Kent Herbick and Doug McKevich at some point stretching out and picking balls <laughs> on the dirt. I mean, that, I, I'll be honest, that was one of my biggest concerns coming into the season. 
and knock on wood, so far so good on that. That was shocking to me. Yeah, he showed uh, some deft footwork over the weekend, um, and it's uh, apparent, I think, I hope, that he's bought into this transition to first base a whole lot more than he did uh, the transition to right field a few years ago. Um, you know, he's he's uh, he's pretty well suited, I guess, in, in terms of his physique at first base, a little better suited than third base. He's still got, you know, a tremendous arm, but even that from time to time will come in handy. He had to make a throw as he was shifted and going to his right toward second base. He had to pivot and, uh, you know, make an on-target throw to the pitcher covering. And, uh, yeah, just, you know, little things like that. You know, some guys have a hard time with that transition. Joe Maurer would tell you, as great an athlete as he was, that was not an easy transition for him at first base. And, of course, years and years ago, the Twins had Dave Winfield, who would have been an ideal first baseman. You know, six, 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 seven, big target over there, great athlete. He never did take the first base. So the early signs are that Miguel Sano uh, has taken to it pretty well. Yeah, it's funny. Last thing on this is that, you know, he wasn't all that big on moving to right field, and that just turned out to be a total debacle. But he, he really was in favor of Josh Donaldson coming in, moving over to first base. And, boy, when the player buys in, that really makes a difference. Well, and then years ago, he was moved to right field to accommodate Trevor Plouffe. Uh, and, and no disrespect to Trevor, but uh, Josh Donaldson, you know, is a former league MVP. Uh, you, you'd expect Miguel or somebody, anybody to say, yeah, I'll move over for that guy, right? I mean, uh, when you get an MVP, a former league MVP uh, added to the team, you go wherever uh, you can to add him to the roster. And so, yeah, I, I think it's fair to say Miguel's bought into it, has spent, you know, a lot of time in true uh, two training camps you know, the three weeks or so that we had uh, uh, down in Florida and then the three weeks or so uh, here. And so he's he's gotten some reps, although his second training camp was crimped short because of the positive uh, COVID test. But so far, so good. Yeah, that, it's, it's a great thing to see. That is for sure. I want to uh, focus a little bit on the uh, pitching. Obviously, with Rich Hill being on the shelf and Jake Odorizzi, sounds like he's throwing more. Hopefully, he'll be back sooner than later. But you know, the way they started things off on uh, Saturday with Randy Dobnik coming in, and it, it kind of looked like it was maybe going to be one of these opener games like they had in that day-night doubleheader in Cleveland last year in September. That was such a pivotal weekend for the Twins. But it just didn't turn out that way. That really got out of hand in a quick hurry, and you got to think where the Twins would have been. You'd be talking maybe about being an undefeated team if they could have had all their bullets in the chamber, if you know what I mean. Yeah, although, um, you know, uh, Randy Dobnak did fine. He pitched four innings, gave up one run. The game kind of game kind of exploded when Zach Littell gave up three home runs in one inning. Yeah. So, you know, we've talked uh, uh, at length for weeks, Derek, about the depth of the Twins' uh, rotation. And there will be other things that will come along here, too. You know, in this case, it was Oda Rizzi uh, had a bit of a, uh, an issue in his upper back uh, behind his uh, shoulder. Uh, but it looks like he'll be ready to go later in this homestand. Uh, so Dobnak stepped in, did a nice job. We might see Devin Smeltzer uh, step in uh, a little bit later on. Uh, so, you know, it, it sounds strange, but the depth is going to be even more important, I, I suspect, in this shortened season uh, than it is uh, in a 162-game season because everybody had to ramp up so quickly. You look at what's happened around baseball, uh, pitchers that have gotten hurt, Corey Kluber, Justin Verlander, you know, th- these are top flight pitchers and you certainly uh, don't 
wish that on anybody, but you're, you're going to have depth, uh, going to have to have depth this year if you're going to get through the 60-game schedule in advance uh, to the postseason. Yeah, and I guess you can have a situation like you had with the Miami Marlins, too, where you might lose some pitchers in that situation. And I, you know, A lot of people have asked me about this, and I thought Commissioner Manford, for all his faults the past couple months, I think he handled it pretty well, because my answer to it has been, well, this is essentially why you have a 60-man roster, right? For situations, whether it be injury or COVID-related or whatever, that's why you're having this uh, big practice squad, essentially. Yeah, I think uh, all of us were really concerned uh, yesterday at this time when we heard about the the, the breadth of the uh, infection uh, with the Marlins. Um, but you know, if the if they were going to call the season off because of one outbreak, they never would have started it in the first place. Right. I think everybody knew that this was uh, not only possible but likely to happen at some point. You just didn't want to have it happen, you know, the first weekend. Uh, but you know, if people react properly to this uh, you know big key is going to be whether the Phillies were infected uh, people are trying to trace where the Marlins uh, became infected and it might have been in their exhibition series against the Braves because the Brave catchers came down with it uh, but if it can be limited to the Marlins uh, I think baseball will very easily be able to get past this uh, with you know precautions in place uh, I said on Twitter last night, and I don't have any way of knowing this, but I suspect where this is headed is uh, masks will be mandatory in the dugout, covering both the nose and the mouth. We saw over the weekend in Chicago, uh, in the Chicago dugout, there were masks worn, but just over the mouth. Uh, I suspect we'll have a mandatory mask wearing in the dugout and then optional out on the field, but we'll wait and see how that all plays out. Yeah, I don't disagree with you whatsoever. Let's uh, get to, and I, I think, oh, we got, uh, I'm not sure what happened there. But I, I do think it's going to be one of those things, too, where I th- you know, we talk so much about the bubbles or whatever that we have with uh, so many of these different uh, p- places like uh, the NBA and NHL, and that's not the way that Major League Baseball is handling things. So it's going to be a little tough. I, it's going to be a little different for Major League Baseball. Yeah, and I, I think, to be fair, it's easier uh, for you know hockey and basketball to do that because they're at the end of their seasons. It would be akin to uh, having the regular season in the books for baseball and then doing the playoffs in a bubble. But this is different. You've got 30 franchises. You're trying to put together a representative uh, you know, regular season and then hope you can play in the postseason. Uh, and so it's apples to oranges, really, in terms of comparing the different sports. You know, but it's, you know, You've got to play the hand that you're dealt, you know, and that's the hand that baseball's been dealt. And so we'll see how it plays out. And let's uh, hope uh, on many levels that the the Marlins outbreak is limited in scope and that it's not going to spread, uh, you know, from team to team. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think uh, when you look at this, too, with everything that's going on right now, it's so interesting to see there's a lot of players out there right now and a lot of teams that – you can see that there's a lot of hope with a lot of these teams that you wouldn't think would normally have hope. You know what I mean? I think you're seeing that early on just with what we're seeing in the standings and everything else and some of the scores I've been checking out. It's really kind of odd. Yeah, it's only one weekend, uh, you yeah. know, 5% of the season, but uh, it works in reverse too. You know, the the Astros were dealt a terrible blow with the Verlander out uh, for an extended part of the season, if not the entire regular season. And they've got a bunch of sore-armed relief pitchers, too, after the first weekend. So uh, the, the theory that with 16 teams are going to be some 
um, unexpected teams in the postseason field, uh, there very likely could be some other teams that everyone thought were uh, shoe-ins uh, to be in the postseason who might not make it, depending on uh, the health. You know, so much of what uh, is going to happen this year, Derek, uh, in terms of who's going to get to the postseason and who's going to win the tournament at the end, uh, probably has more to do with what happens off the field and how players conduct themselves on the road trips, so on and so forth. Um, so, you know, maybe more so than at any time in any other baseball season. So uh, the team that uh, disciplines itself the best in terms of uh, going out to restaurants, what have you, uh, on the road, uh, is probably going to stand the best chance of uh, being there at the end. Yeah, I don't disagree with you whatsoever. I think it's going to be one of those interesting things to see you know, th- where, where this actually goes with everything. And, and you mentioned the tournament. We maybe have buried the lead there, but there is kind of pretty much a tournament right now. They are going to have an actual, you know, they expanded the playoffs. And you and I talked before, it didn't look like they were going to do that early on, but I'm glad they came to that agreement. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, let's say the, you know, you don't wish this, of course, but let's say the Twins had a, you know, six, seven game losing streak. Well, you know, if you're going to cut the playoff field at 10, uh, you know, a losing streak, and, you know, they're pretty common, right? The Twins' longest losing streak last year was four games. That was extraordinary. But if you had a losing streak, uh, a really bad week, uh, you could still recover with 16 teams in the postseason rather than 10. Uh, So, again, you don't hope for losing streaks, but I think it proved that, uh, you know, you can have a bad week uh, in this shortened season and still have some hope of uh, being there at the end. Well, uh, hopefully everything will get going here pretty quickly and, and no you know stops in action or whatever, and we get things going here against the Cardinals, which should be a pretty intriguing series here, and it'll be nice to be at Target Field because how was that experience for you? Was, I, to be honest with you, as a viewer, you know, as a listener with Corey and Dan and them, it didn't really feel all that much different for us as a listener, I think. Well, I've heard that from a number of people, and that's very uh, soothing to hear because that's the biggest challenge. Uh, You know, whether you're doing the game conventionally, uh, as I will, I'll actually be able to see the the Twins on the field at Target Field tonight or trying to call the game from the monitor. You you don't want that to detract from the enjoyment of of the listener or the viewer. That's the challenge all of us are facing, and uh, so we'll see. You know how that goes. Hopefully, it gets just a little bit better. But uh, uh, to the extent that people weren't able to tell that we were not in Chicago over the weekend, well, that means that uh, our crew, all of us, uh, did a you know, nice job trying to simulate something that wasn't real. And uh, hopefully, again, it'll get better as we do do more of them that way. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Should be fun again starting tonight. Thanks so much. Enjoy the call from home this this week. I, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll talk to you next Tuesday.